It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store focusing on natural products and organic remedies. That's Smoky Mountain Organics. Check them out online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Visit one of their four locations, including that Knoxville location in Kingston Pike and the three locations in Sevierville, uh, that in Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, and Gatlinburg. Uh, as well. So that's Smoky Mountain Organics with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Plenty to get to in this podcast. Hope everybody is staying warm. And uh, if you've got snow, we're being safe and enjoyed it. And uh, back on track um, with a regular work week with everybody uh, coming off of the holiday. All right, let's let's talk about recruiting first, Austin. And let's talk about Tennessee over the weekend. Two visitors in. Got a chance to catch up with both of them. What's your takeaway from the two visitors? Give me a big, give me a big picture viewpoint for Tennessee in the 22 class as well. Let's start with the two visitors. How about that? Yeah, I mean, we'll start with Isaiah Nayer. Everybody wants to talk about him. Uh, continue to believe Tennessee's in great, great shape there coming out of the visit. Um, you know, he's a great looking kid, Brent. You and I both saw him. I mean, he is, he's a legit six four, um, and and 200 and almost 10 pounds. So, I mean, you're getting somebody that's you know physically going to be able to come in and play in this conference um, right away. And uh, and I think it's a huge gift for Josh Heupel and company. And we'll see what they do with anybody else at the receiver position, if, if they go on Brew McCoy or not. Um, we'll see what they do at the running back spot. You know, we'll do this, does Tennessee take a, a, a look at, you know, you know a, a guy or two out there? And then uh, we'll switch gears to Ahmad Moten. Um, you know, another good-looking kid. Um I think Tennessee has done all they can do, Brent. I mean, like, they showed well. He's been up here two weekends in a row, once just a vacation with his family in Gallenberg, uh, second time, you know, for his official visit. I think that the family and the kid really love Rodney Garner. Um, Oklahoma's also heavily in the mix. He'll go there this weekend. Kid is at Carolina uh, today, yesterday and today. Okay. Um, but his parents weren't going, so I don't view them as a real threat. And um, – <clears throat> And then Miami, I, you know, I think Tennessee and, and Oklahoma are definitely heavily in it right now. How much does that last visit to Miami sway things? He, he said that, that that it got switched around because that was the only weekend he could go to Miami, um, you know, for whatever that's worth. So, you know, it's what it is. But, yeah, it you know, seems like a good Again, Tennessee's done, Tennessee's done is all they can do. That's the best way to put it. Like, you couldn't do any better than they've done. Sometimes you just have a non-winnable recruit, and that might be Ahmad Moten. You, you've done as well as you can do. Yeah, it's set up, it's set up well for, for Miami. It would appear with them getting the last visit, but but we'll certainly see uh, what happens with that. Back, back to Nayer, uh, Austin, um, and, and Rob, jump in here too. I mean, I, I think that one – I think getting an outside receiver, for all the talk of transfer stuff about – and they need help at a lot of positions. But when you look at it, I think outside receiver was as big of a priority as any position in the transfer portal for Tennessee when you look at this offense. I just don't – I'm not saying this offense is bad if, if, you, have, if you don't have three quality receivers. But, but I'm telling you right now, if you, if you don't have two legit outside threats, Rob, that this offense changes dramatically to me in terms of what you can do. They had to replace Peyton – with an impact guy. And I think they probably improved. I mean, just based off 
you know, you look at Nair's numbers at Wyoming. I mean, I think they got better there. And, and size. And, yeah, a lot bigger. And, you know, do you, you just look what at the incredible season Cedric Tillman had, and it's hard not to get pretty excited, I think, when you look at – I mean, I'm not – Nair's probably not going to be as productive as he was at Wyoming, but he put up some ridiculous numbers out there. I mean, the kid can, the kid can play. And I, I think him and Tillman are going to be a formidable, formidable duo. Yeah, I mean, I, I've mentioned this in the 10 things, I think, after the bowl game. I, you know, Batman's got to have a Robin. Cedric Tillman needed another guy opposite of him to, to take pressure off of uh, of him from a defensive standpoint in terms of what they can do with safety help and all that. And, and that's why I think getting an outside receiver was so important and getting one of this caliber um, is, is, is a big deal to, to me, Austin. It's also a reminder – that there are guys out there everywhere. I mean, how this guy ends up at Wyoming, you know, I don't think he suddenly grew five inches from high school, um, but but for whatever reason, he got no traction coming out of high school in Texas with, with not a lot of opportunities. That There are guys around this country that can play. You just got to keep on digging and keep finding guys because there, there are guys everywhere. Well, you and I talked about that on, on Sunday when we saw him. Like, okay, he didn't go to Texas or Texas A&M or even Baylor, who's had a lot of success in, in, in the last decade or so. But, I mean, Texas Tech, Rice, SMU, like where, where were those programs on a kid like this? You know, like that, again, that's, that's, the, that's the more head-scratcher to me, you know, that, that he got all the way to Wyoming. You know, because, I mean, again, he is pretty. Yeah, I he mean, is. you know. He and, and he's he, productive. You know what I'm saying? It's not just a guy that you walk around and says, hey, you know, he, he looks like Tarzan plays like Gene. You see his production now, yeah. and, and it's like, okay, he can also play. He's not just a pretty-looking athlete. He, he can play. Uh, but but it is pretty – it is a reminder that that it happens all the time. There are guys well, that just look at the, all the time. Look at the NFL last night. I mean, maybe the best player on the field might have been Jarek McKinnon. He went to Georgia Southern. Yeah. You know, I mean, Travis, Travis Kelsey went to – you know, ended up at Cincinnati. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it happens all the time in, in college football. Devon, Devontae Adams, you, know, you can go right down the list of guys that, you know, that, that, that you know, kind of middle of guys that just, you know, blew up. The NFL doesn't discriminate. And that, I mean, the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL played at Wyoming. One of the other best quarterbacks in the NFL played at Texas Tech. I mean, you know, you can find good players in a lot of different places. That's why I think, in a lot of ways, going and getting, Big fish, small pond is almost better than trying to go find a guy that maybe was heralded out of high school who's not done anything at said institution. Yeah, and I think that's always the debate. Do do you like from a portal standpoint? Do do you like a guy like production? Yeah, really productive at a small school. Does that does that translate better to a big school versus a guy who you think's got a lot of potential but it's not worked out for him at whatever big school he went to? all part of the debate debate with the transfer portal, which Austin has become, that, that is the new recruiting. I mean, it, you know, it, it, that is what December and January is all about um, and, and why teams around the country are doing everything they can to add to their staff to try to improve themselves in, in the transfer portal world But because it's a handful. It's a handful to manage, and um, it changes every hour of every day, and uh, we'll see where Tennessee goes from here. If anybody else comes at midterm, does anybody else jump in the portal here late? Uh, there are going to be some guys who are in the portal now uh, who are going to make late decisions. The kid at TCU, the offensive tackle at Vanderbilt, two guys who are going to make decisions in May. 
The kid at Vanderbilt can go to an SEC school because he's in the portal. He doesn't have to make a decision now, but he can go there because he's in the portal. He can go to another SEC school. So we'll see what happens uh, with him and May. Does Tennessee stay involved, and are they involved there long term? Same with the kid at TCU. Yeah, t- kid, kid from TCU is going to stay in the state of Texas. Okay. I, I don't see him. I don't see don't Tennessee see him getting a long look there. Okay. All right. Tennessee was going to swing, and they have swung there. But again, that's the other part of the portal. Sometimes. You just can't get them. You know, they're not interested or they want to go back closer to home or stay closer to home. That's the shock with, with Nayer to me. He is choosing offensive fit for him versus the opportunity to play closer to home, uh, which I, I didn't think that was going to be the case early on. But give Tennessee a lot of credit for, for all that they've done to, to make that happen. All right, let's talk about coaches on the road. How much of this Austin is 22s? How many 22 guys are there on the board for Tennessee to realistically see? And how much of this is laying the groundwork 23-24 for the rest of this month? Well, there's not. I mean, it's going to see Ahmad Moten. They'll do that later in the week. Um, Tennessee's seeing Jason Jenkins, um, you know, Monday night and Tuesday morning, uh, one of the one of that area. And he's the defensive end from New Jersey. Yeah, it depends on the weather. Um and then uh, they'll, they'll try to go see Miguel Mitchell, who uh, committed to Florida over the weekend and was supposed to visit that last weekend. But there's just not a lot of, you know, high school kids that they're after. Tennessee would rather swing in the portal. But, again, because of numbers and stuff and kind of one for one, they can't swing too hard on guys that can come in right away. And, and we're getting late in the month on guys getting anywhere for, for, the, for the spring semesters as well. So – um, visitors this weekend, it's going to be about, this is going to be about junior day this weekend, right? Yes. All junior days, except for maybe James Pierce, James Pierce, I think may take an official visit this weekend. He has not officially visited Tennessee. So I think they may uh, knock that one out this weekend. Um, but yeah, junior days on Saturday or junior day on Saturday, um, it's kind of the, uh, you know, the target goal this weekend. Yep, and we had a bunch of names in the war room last week. We'll follow that up with with more names this week and and clean up what names of of those guys who may or may not end up being able to come in. There'll be several in-state guys in in town, which is important for Tennessee to to have in uh, as well. So uh, that's the lay of the land in recruiting. What do you make of Bill High, the the hire of Bill High? Um, Billy High? Billy High, yeah. Um, You know, obviously very well thought of over in the state of North Carolina. Um, you know, and so I, I think it just continues to add to Tennessee, Tennessee's uh, off the field staff. I think it's a it's a, a huge positive. You know, I mean, is it going to have that make the difference in you know going from number fifteen to number nine in the class rankings? No, I don't think it's going to have that kind of impact. But again, when you have quality eyes doing scouting, whether it be transfer portal or high school. Um, you know, I think that only helps. He's got established relationships. Again, he did a nice job at Auburn, did an even better job at North Carolina. And again, Billy handles himself well. He's, you know, went to Tennessee, he's from Knoxville. You know, I, I think, you know, they've done it. Hype's done a really nice job when you think about Brandon Lawson, Trey Johnson, Scott Altizer, Billy High, of having Tennessee guys. There might not be a Tennessee guy on staff as far as on the field coaching, but there are plenty of Tennessee guys behind the scene that understand the makeup of the school and what it takes to recruit here to Knoxville. And the bottom line also, uh, Rob, is you just have to have bodies. I mean, and that's something I think Josh Heupel has made clear to, to Danny White. You, you, I mean, you, to keep up with the Joneses, I mean, you've got to have, you've got to have as many eyes as possible out there. 
but because recruiting is changing. It's a different deal than it used to be. There's so many different variables now to manage. You just can't have – you really can't have enough eyes out there helping coaches in the process. Start so young, you know, with the kids. You get them on campus so much faster. I mean, whereas you didn't have to make – I mean, golly, however, when, when you started doing this, I mean, you didn't have to make a kid a priority and probably till his senior year. September. September the senior year, you know. And now you probably need to make sure that – you know, if, it, if it's a big-time player – you probably need to make sure that kid knows that he's at the top of your board in junior. I mean, in September is junior year, yeah. if not the summer before his junior year. Yeah, I remember it's a big deal if Tennessee offered somebody in the summertime. That was a rarity. Now that's 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 going back to the '90s. That's dating myself as old as I am, which is old as dirt in the recruiting world. But you know, you really didn't start recruiting anybody till September, and uh, that that's just it's different. And and you've got to you you got you got to go. Fast. I mean, you got to be on top of everything at every. You second. have to evaluate sophomore tape now. Where I bet they didn't think about doing that 15 years ago. I mean, they might watch some, but they wouldn't be evaluating it. You know, deciding whether or not are we going to offer this kid based off what we see from him when he's before he's got his driver's license. Yep, that's exactly. And then you throw in the transfer portal in the world that that's created in December and January. Um, all the all the help you can get there is, is certainly of of a must for every school out there. Um, and that's obviously the case with Tennessee as well. All right, speaking of must, it feels like this is a must week for the Tennessee basketball team, uh, Rob Lewis, uh, in Nashville to take on Vanderbilt, uh, then at home to take on LSU. This is a, this is a team that's just, that quite frankly, is a head-scratcher right now. Um, they did not travel their defense to Lexington, Kentucky, to, to take on the Wildcats and wasted a day where they shot the basketball well. Um, and, and didn't capitalize on it there. Where in the world is this team mentally right now, Rob? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't I mean, I don't have an answer. I, I, I don't think the guy making $5 million a year to coach him has an answer either. I mean, they're, they look – that was as bad of an effort defensively as I can remember seeing from them since Rick got here. You know, Kentucky was hot. That kind of stuff happens. But, man, they were just poor, poor, poor. Um, and you mentioned – it was their best offensive day, maybe of the whole season. It's, you know, considering the competition, they shot fifty-four percent from the field, had their highest scored SEC game, and it just and, and still you know got beat by thirty. Um, I mean, I don't know where to start. I mean, Fulkerson and plays twenty minutes and doesn't get a rebound. I mean, I can, I can see maybe not getting a point. Maybe you you know shoot it well. Maybe it's a tough matchup, but to not get a rebound. Same for Olivier. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. Where you where your two starting front court guys. Don't pull down a rebound. That's incredible. The defense out front, you know, I know I know Kennedy's a young guy, and but I mean, forty nine points combined from Washington and Wheeler. That's just that's unacceptable. I mean, they, they could lose if they play like that on defense. They they'll lose at Vanderbilt tomorrow night or tonight. We're recording this on Monday. Yeah, I mean they, they've got to find they've got to find a defensive edge in a hurry. That uh, they got to find. They got to find some kind of edge, period, in a hurry. Um, and, and I, I mean, who, who who brings that? I mean, how, how do you how do you generate that? I, I know I know Rick Barnes, you know, put 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 some of it on him after the game against Kentucky and took ownership in it, and you know was asked about Brandon, talked about that situation a little bit, and and this that and the other. I mean, what what is the string left to pull? Uh, here here is the most concerning thing I heard I heard in the last. 48 hours coming out of the Kentucky game 
somebody close to the program told me the guy who was most vocal in the locker room after the game on Saturday was Jemai Meshack. That's not, that's not good. A freshman who played what? Did he even play 10 minutes? I mean, I think, I mean, I, everybody in, on that team, like Josiah is probably the most well-liked guy on that team, but he's not getting in somebody's grill, you know, like, like Grant Wood or Admiral Wood. Um, Everybody respects the heck out of Santiago, but he's not, you know, he's not that kind of guy either. I mean, everybody respects how hard he works, you know, what he puts into it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying Tennessee, Tennessee doesn't have any bad kids on the team, but I don't know that they have any sh- really the, the kind of strong leaders they need to really dig their heels, heels in and, and turn a situation around when it's going badly. Well, I think they've got to change up the lineup. Like, you know, well, I don't I, care. I, I, I think you see – Rick and everybody can Rick Rick and everybody can bellyache about nobody being ready and this guy not ready. But I mean, if you're not getting anything, as you just pointed out, out of John Fulkerson, and listen, I'm not gonna hate on the kid. The kid may have no energy coming out of the COVID stuff. You just don't know. I mean, it hits everybody differently, and it is what it is. Um, you know, but like it, my point being is like if you're not getting anything there, even if you can't rely on consistency out of the young kids they're still going to give you something more than, than somebody with no energy brings. So, you know, I just feel like they've got to, you know, back drastically shake up the lineup and see if they can catch lightning in a bottle. Cause like right now there's, there's no juice at all. This is like the most stagnant room in the, in the, in the country. Rob, do you think, you think they're changing it? Yeah. I think you'll see some changes tonight. Just in, in starting or just in rotation in general. I think starting lineup and minutes, both. You think he's going to pair the rotation down, or is this? Are you are you still playing a lot of guys to grasp at straws to try to catch that lightning? The one guy I would kind of wonder about, like if his minutes go away, is is Victor Bailey. I'm not I'm not saying they will, but I would I would think that would be a, a possibility. I mean, I, mean, I, I think like, I, I think he's the point where he he he's he's willing to play Quentin Dabunje, even though he's has no illusions that, that he's ready to be what they need. I mean, I think he's ready to throw everything up there and see what sticks. Well, I mean, I, I think if – I mean, the one thing that you had that you hung your hat on until Saturday was the fact that you played defense. Now, you didn't want to try to win games, you know, 62 to 58. We've talked about that on the podcast for, for weeks, Rob, that you got to put the ball in the basket more, which is something I've been harping on. Um, the, the scary part of this team is that the defense disappeared, as, as you mentioned earlier. Can they get that edge back? Because that's a lot of, and, and that's just an effort thing in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think the, I mean, I think you'll see them. I mean, I think the Kentucky game was an anomaly. I mean, I think it was just, they, they, they just ran into a hurricane. I mean, Kentucky was on edge. They were ready to play. They hit shots. I mean, God, I, I, Washington and Wheeler, I want to say they were like 18 of 23, something from the field. I mean, that's just, I mean, that, that's, that's tough to do in the gym by yourself. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, it was that's not going to happen a lot of nights. It was insanity, but at the same time, too, I mean, the blow-bys, I mean, Tennessee was Tennessee was opening up the lane like it was the Autobahn in Germany, just drive as you will at, at times. I mean, it just it just felt like that there was no resistance on the perimeter. And this team does not play – they don't they don't have a rim protector who's going to clean up everything for you if you get blown no. by. I mean, and they and got somebody, blown by a lot. Somebody at the game sitting on the floor told me that Kentucky's assistant coaches, anytime Kennedy was isolated was with a ball handle at the top of the key, they were just screaming at the guy, drive him, drive him, drive him. And I, you know, the 
Coach Barnes's hope and Tennessee's hope is that, you know, he was embarrassed and, and learned from it. Yeah, we'll see. Certainly, uh, he's got to be better. This whole team's got to be better. I think Rick Barnes has got to be better, too. I mean, I, I, you got to manage the game a little differently, right? I mean, things can get away from you. If, it, if that's a slow start tonight or on Saturday, I mean, don't you have to be quicker with a timeout, quicker with a substitution so that the thing doesn't get away from you? If you don't yeah, like the body I, honestly, the I honestly don't think anything matter on Saturday. But, yeah, I mean, when you're two and three and – have looked as bad as they have the last two Saturdays. Yeah, I mean, I mean everybody has got to be better. They're two and three, and their two wins are just kind of there. You know what I mean? Like it, that. That's 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 the. I think that's the, the panic from Tennessee. Their best game. Their, two their, wins best, are out their best game in SEC play was the loss to Alabama. Yeah, Fulgerson and Kennedy. Yep, that's and the best they've looked. And it's not even close. It's it, to me, it's not even close when you when you look at those games. So. Um, can this team find themselves to be the team that they were when they beat North Carolina, when they, they beat Arizona, when they played Arizona or play, played Alabama without two of their better players? We'll see. But um, as, as Rick Barnes said, something is off and something is amiss, and we'll see if they can find it um, tonight as they take on Vanderbilt in Nashville. And, then, of course, a difficult matchup with LSU. I just think LSU is a bad matchup for Tennessee athletically. Um, I, I think Tennessee's gonna Tennessee will have to be really good, really special on Saturday. LSU is really good on defense. They create a lot of chaos for you. I, I think their length is a real hard matchup for Tennessee, but we'll see what happens. First and foremost, Tennessee's got to take care of business against Vanderbilt because Rob, they'll shoot it well enough to beat you well, in that gym if Tennessee I, brings some defense. Scotty Pippen Jr. watched that Kentucky tape. You don't think he's looking at his chops? Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you're playing Tennessee right now, you're going to run ISO and, and create, you know, an isolation situation on the wing or at the top of the key and see if Tennessee is going to resist it and provide some resistance to the rim, which they did not show um, against Kentucky. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll also see what happens with Tennessee on the recruiting front. We'll continue to bring the latest to you in recruiting. Also following the transfer portal as well. Does anybody jump in that Tennessee has some interest in? You never know that that, that that door is not closed and is, and is not ended. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, with school starting next week, who all enrolls, make sure there's no other transfers that at the last minute jump in and, and decide to enroll at Tennessee. It's always changing, Austin, when you look at it. I mean, it literally is an hour by hour kind of feel when you bring in the transfer portal stuff. And then obviously we'll have coverage at junior day as well. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, like you, you, it's always fluid guys Tennessee um are looking at you know change by the day I mean they they you know might double back and do a a second deep dive on a kid that they looked at a few weeks ago and didn't go on you just never know you know kind of what Tennessee's gonna do and you never know who's gonna hop in the portal here um you know over the next uh you know few days as as you know there are a few schools that start late and so there's some options still there, but, you know, time is ticking really, really quick. You know, before we get out the door, like, I, I'm surprised, like, a guy like Harrison Bailey, he, he's not announced anywhere. Here we are, you know, on the 18th of, of January, and, and a lot of drop ads have either passed or they're going to pass this week, and, you know, still no announcement from him, and he's been in the portal for months. Yep, and you wonder if some of those guys who have not found a home, um, what, what they do. I mean, if they voluntarily withdrawn from the school they were at, which is the case for somebody who went in the portal in the fall, what are they going to do in the fall semester and the spring semester if they haven't found a home? So 
Um, lots of moving parts, lots of things as everybody continues to adjust to life with the transfer portal and, and the ever-changing world that is the transfer portal in college football and college football recruiting. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, and Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday and uh, be safe out there. been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.